This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider. I received a piece of work yesterday which is entitled the following, Why Invest in Europe's Recovery? The author of that piece is Ken Shah, who's a portfolio manager at 91 in London. And Ken, what, what do you mean by the Europe's recovery? Is, is it recovering because of asset classes going up? Is it uh, purchasing managers' indices going up? Is it GDP starting to recover? Is it the euro going up quite substantially against the US dollar? What do you mean by the recovery, first of all? In terms of the recovery, um, as bottom-up stock pickers, we are very uh, um, focused on, on um, corporate earnings. Uh, and they are depressed for a number of reasons. And we see the recovery um, in terms of short term, um, a normalization after COVID-19. And then beyond that, the stimulus that we're seeing um, put forward. Uh, and to a certain extent, um, this monetary and fiscal support we've been hearing about um, since March uh, does seem um, endless. Uh, And so it shows the willing of the policymakers to ensure uh, a more robust recovery from the slowdown we've been having um, in 2020. Now, just dealing with um, just a comment on COVID-19 is that I think the data is very interesting at the moment because what we are seeing in those areas of the world where um, uh, the, the um, virus spread is more mature, we're seeing actually rapidly falling fatality rates. And in my mind, if this is sustained uh, and noting that actually we've seen um, several weeks of um, easing of lockdowns, this may suggest that the worst can be behind us soon um, and then beyond that, um, in terms of the stimulus we've been seeing, and in EU, the um, EU recovery fund, uh, which on a global scale is actually quite significant and gives, I think, every chance of a sustainable and actually a more widespread recovery um, in the region. Now, the policies are of uh, over 5% of EU GDP, but understand that given that they're largely focused on capital projects, there should be a multiplier uh, effect um, from the stimulus. Uh, and the other aspect is how the stimulus is being funded, in that we're seeing the raising of debt on an EU basis. And that's very interesting in that this is a step closer to fiscal union. Now, in, the, in Europe, we have um, monetary union. And there are some, some critics would say that um, without fiscal union, the project is doomed. So I think that the, 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 the announced policies and stimulus has uh, something, two interesting characteristics. I think the last thing to say is I think... Um, this uh, the agreement for the stimulus, the EU recovery fa- uh, p- um, plan, has actually gone through. I think much, much more smoothly than I uh, anticipated. Um, in that it was all agreed earlier than August, which I think was the deadline. Uh, and this looks start. The stimulus looks to start in 2021. 
So not long now. So you think the bureaucrats and the administrators have actually done quite a good job in Europe? They've gone about it in a very quiet way compared to, for example, in the United States, which is very, I suppose, it's characterised by bluster. But in Europe, the European administrators, as I've said, have gone about it in a dignified way. And it's, in your eyes, has it been appropriate what they've initiated? <laughs> the, the difficult question. I think time will tell, but I think... Um, um, what we are seeing is certain economic policies like MMT, modern monetary theory, um, really manifest itself. And I think the early signs are promising. So typically in a slowdown, historically, stimulus has been targeted to um, grand, well, capital projects, big schemes. But in the UK and, and, and also actually across um, Europe, we've been seeing furloughing schemes, which it does mean um, putting money into people's pockets. Uh, and also at another level in the UK, we've been seeing the eat out to help out scheme, which yes. um, uh, allows people to go back to restaurants um, early in the week when it's not peak. I think what it does show is that the policymakers are now trying to learn from the past and put people put money in back into people's pockets uh, directly or more directly rather than going through these schemes which take uh, i think a, a a longer period to 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 um to filter through Mm. That was a very creative initiative, I must say, the Eat Out to Help Out. And I think it ended yesterday, but by all accounts, it was very, very successful. What about asset classes? You say here, for investors, European equity markets offer attractive value and innovative companies benefiting from the changing world that we are facing. So you think there's value in European equity markets, even though we've had an incredible bounce back? Yes, yes, we have had a strong bounce back from the March lows. And um, I think the expectation of a, um, a bumpy sort of uh, profile, I think, should be expected. Now, the MSCI Europe, the bet my benchmark, is on 21 times PE, forward PE, versus a long-term average of about 14 times. Uh, and so on that basis, you could say it's not cheap. However, earnings are depressed. Uh, and so if you look at the CAPE, the cyclically adjusted PE, which um, uses the 10-year um, um, average of corporate earnings, the Europe is on a 12% discount to long-term averages. And just for comparison, the US is on a 30% premium. And I think with this, why this um, uh, the size of the stimulus, uh, the extent, uh, I think it can be reasonable to expect that the um, Earnings recovery can get to levels um, beyond previous peak um, due to the size and and I guess the the, the willing of um, of the policymakers. So on that basis, I still believe that there is value, but understanding or noting that um, the path uh, will not necessarily be smooth. How important is the currency factor? Because the euro-dollar exchange rate has gone from 106, in other words, one euro buying 1.06 US dollars, to, I think it was yesterday, briefly breached 120. So from 106 to, to 120. How important a factor is that when you look at your portfolio construction, for example, at 91? I think overall, the currency strengthening will have some impact. But with regard to my portfolio, it very has it has very little uh, impact um, for a couple of reasons. I think one that I have a, um, a diversified um, portfolio, so stocks which um, benefit from um, a stronger euro, uh, uh, as well as some which may 
um, uh, maybe a headwind. Um, but the other is that um, you know, we do uh, focus on um, on strong companies where they have pricing power, so that even if their euro euro cost base is rising, they're able to pass that on. Um, to their end customers um, because of whether it be pricing power or actually the products they make have that ability to to pass on any rise in cost space, whether it be currency related or um, anything else. Okay. Give us a couple of clues, if you would. Tell me about pricing power and tell me about product power. Which companies do you like at the moment? Which sectors do you like? Well, um, a company we've bought um, uh, this year, actually, in the midst of um, lockdown, is um, uh, JDE Peets, which is the second largest coffee supplier um, in in the world. Um, now, uh, a reasonable amount of their uh, production base is in um, Europe, um, but what you're seeing is that they are trying to premiumize their product in that you can see that in spirits, uh, brandy, whiskey, and so forth. Yes. But in coffee, um, you, whilst um, per cup uh, at a retail level is typically, what, 5 or $6, at home it is closer to a um, dollar per cup or even less. And what they're trying to do is to provide products which give the sort of out-of-home experience at home and if they are able to do that successfully, they're able to charge a per cup, which is closer to the 5 to $6, rather than the um, $1 that we're seeing at the moment. And so you can see companies being innovative. Uh, and um, when they're able to supply their customers with good products and services, that ability to price better uh, is there. It's an interesting one. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I understand that people are. So it really sort of reinforces 91's stock picking philosophy at the moment. And the last paragraph of your piece that you sent me, it says the following. The new Europe is too often dismissed by investors, being very small in the context of European benchmarks. We regard investing in Europe as not being about countries or sectors, but about individual companies. And that example you gave me uh, really embellishes that, that point. And there must be more, lots more that we can't speak about now, Ken. Uh, absolutely. I think um, globally, the, um, there, there can be too much attention on these giants, which are um, US and, and say Chinese based. But within Europe, I think there are lots of uh, more niche um, um, uh, companies where they are able to, um, to grow fast and profitably and provide good opportunities for our fund and our clients. Ken, thank you so much for your time. That's Ken Shah, who's a portfolio manager at 91 in London.